Last week, as we completed the New Testament epistle or book, 1 Peter, as Peter was finishing his message to the suffering people, we learned that a, lo that, that a local pastor and congregation should do during times of suffering. Peter identified himself as a pastor and then spoke directly to pastors saying, shepherd your flock, lead them, pastor your church for the love of the Lord, not for money. And pastors should be an example. Get in the echo, guys. We then heard Peter speak to those in the congregation saying, submit to the leadership of the pastor. Be humble towards one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And then we heard Peter tell them to, to stand firm in their faith because Satan seeks to destroy them every single day. Tonight, <clears throat> we're going to continue hearing from the Apostle Peter as we turn to the book of Second Peter. Second Peter. Now, what we need to know about this epistle or this book, there's some things we need to know about this epistle before we, we go into it or, or in, even read from it. Church, we do not know who Peter is writing this letter to. We don't. We'll find out, though, very shortly in this study that uh, of this book that this isn't the first time he is writing to them. Could it be to the same people that he wrote in 1 Peter? Could be. Could it be to uh, another group or another congregation? It, it could be. But we, all we know, Miss Barbara, is he had written to them in times past. This isn't the first time that he's written to them. So he had an unction or a feeling or a, a leading to write them this second letter. <clears throat> We also know that this is the last time we will hear from Peter before his death. Let that sink in for a second. This is the last time we're going to hear from the Apostle Peter before his death. So, so as we study this book, we need to remember to really pay attention as he knew these things were about to happen. And he knew that these were his last words, words he wanted to be known and remembered as important. Now, if you knew that you were going to die, that you were dying, I think all of us would stop and write down words that we wanted remembered to those we loved. Peter loved the church and wanted them to not forget certain truths that helped him in his walk with the Lord. Y'all have all seen video testimonies or, <clears throat> or you've heard of people writing, writing letters when they've been given uh, a death sentence. Just, just this past week, I, I watched a video of a, a man and his wife. I don't know why they would do this, but they, they videoed the doctor giving him the news that he had four months to live. I don't know why they would do that, but they showed that short video clip and then the mother came on two years after it and gave testimony of how she made it those months and years after her husband had died. And she gave all glory to God. All glory to God. What I'm saying is this. When we know or if we know that we're going to die in a short period of time, we're going to write little letters. If you go to my office right now, you'll look in my top desk drawer, and there is a letter that my mamaw, 
That's what I called her, mamaw. Did any of y'all ever call your mamaw? Anybody else? My mamaw wrote me a letter, and it was instructions for her funeral. She knew that she wanted me to preach it. <clears throat> it was the very first funeral I ever did. Uh, she gave me some instructions on what I needed to do, the songs that she wanted sung, and she told me to, to stay in touch with my Uncle T, and that's, that's one thing that I, I hadn't done for, there, there's a lot of bad reasons there. Uh, but she wrote me that letter, and I, I still have it. Now, Amy's not, wasn't real fond of my grandmother, and I, I understand that, but that letter, that letter is still special to me. It's still special to me. I wish that I had something for my dad. I wish I had a letter written for my dad. Every birthday card that I received, you know who signed it? Look at Deborah. She, That's right. <laughs> mama, mama. Uh, as a matter of fact, anything that was in that birthday card, you know where it probably came from? Mama. I mean, I wish I had something for my dad. So, I mean, if you don't get anything else out of this, this message, start writing letters. Right, Miss Desi? Start writing letters to people that you love, that you care about. Set them to the side. Uh, there, there was a time where uh, I was having some, some heart problems that I thought I was having heart problems with. And this is something that I did. This was a personal conviction. I, I, I wrote a letter to Amy. It's gone because it's outdated now. It doesn't. But I, I told her when bills were due, how to pay them, how I was paying them, what was drafted, what, what wasn't drafted, what I sent in. I wrote some personal things to her, uh, and Deborah, I, I think I told you if something ever happened to me, that letter was in the, in the desk drawer because you were the secretary at the time. I mean, this is what we're reading tonight. This is what we're hearing tonight. Peter knows that he's about to die. You're just like, Brother Kyle, how do you know? Just hold on. We're going to get to it when we get into this study. Do you hear me? Peter knows that he is going to die. His time is up. And what he's writing is very intimate to the church. Now, <clears throat> okay, in this short three-chapter book, there are four main issues Peter wants his readers to understand. Number one, keep growing in your faith. That's pretty good, isn't it? We should all keep growing in our faith. Now, as I said that, keep growing in your faith. What, what do you have to do to keep growing in your faith? Well, you have to stay close to God. Well, that's, that's true, Ms. Dad. How do, you, how do you stay close to God? Yeah, read your Bible. Talk to God. Bear your soul to the Holy Spirit of God. Say, look, you know, I, I, I need you to show me what you want me to do. Tell me what you want me to do. In good times and in bad times, we, we have to have a relationship, a working relationship with the Lord. So he tells, you know, that's, that's one of the things. Keep growing in your faith. How, how, how many of y'all still get excited on a weekly, listen, weekly basis when you're reading through your Bible and you have something that you've read a hundred times and you see something new? You see something new. How many times have we done the Lord's Supper in this church since I've been your pastor? I don't, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, at, at, at the very least, two or three times a year, right? For almost 10 years. That's, that's a lot of Lord's Suppers. But do y'all realize as I was doing the Lord's Supper this past week, and I made reference to it this morning in, in uh, the sermon, 
And, and I guess I had glimpsed it, but it just, it never clicked with me, Miss Desi, about how what Paul was talking about, how the, the partaking or, or when Jesus celebrated the Passover feast and then he made the new commands, it was a bridging from the Old Testament to the New Testament. I mean, I, I had read it, how many times? I read it a hundred times, but it just didn't click with me. Do y'all still have those days and weeks when you're in the Word of God? That's, that's what growing is. That's what, and you know what you need to do when you have a growth spurt like that? You have a, a new understanding of what's taking place in Scripture? Write it down. Write all over your Bible. Your, your Bible ought to be a testimony of who is living in you. There, there ought to be just highlights and, and notes. And th This is what I do, and I know Becky does it too. I think Deborah does too. Uh, right here in 1 Peter, on January 27th of 2018, Junior Hill preached from 1 Peter chapter 5. Y'all do that? I... I I, what I try to do is when I'm preaching, I just forget. Every, I don't know why I forget. But when I preach through a certain sermon or a certain scripture, I write COB 716-2021. Y'all know who COE is, so COB is, right? That's right. Just to remind myself that I preach through that scripture at a certain date. That, that's growing. He wants you to grow in the Lord as he's dying, as he's laying on his deathbed. He's preaching out to his, his, this congregation, pleading with this, this group of Christians, don't stop growing. Don't stop growing. When you stop growing, guess what you do? You stop growing. You stop growing. But the second thing he says in, in this short three-chapter book is this. He says, don't let false teachers lure you away from Christ. That's some pretty good advice, isn't it? Don't let false teachers lure you away from Christ. Brother Frank, as I sat and I, I, I thought about that, I thought about the many times as I've been a Christian that false teachers have tried to lure me away from Christ. I've told y'all, I think, I think in times past, there was a, a family lived next door to us when we lived in Rock Hill, that little house in Rock Hill, and <clears throat> there was a sweet Filipino family lived next door to us. They were, that woman would cook some of the best spring rolls you've ever had in your life. As soon as they came out of the grease, she'd let it sit in the, you know, in the, in the paper towel, and then the, her son RJ would run us over about 15 of them. I'm telling y'all, I've never had anything like it. Never, ever. I mean, I've never been to a good Chinese or, or Asian restaurant. I mean, those spring rolls were unbelievable. But RJ's grandfather moved in with him, and he was Church of Christ. And we loved him, and we, he loved us, and he loved us so much that he came over to witness to us because he knew, according to his doctrine and his theology, if we died, we were going to hell. And we were Christians. I was a deacon. That doesn't matter, but I mean, I, I, we were very faithful to our church. We were saved. But the doctor in, the, in, the, in that church said, if you did not belong to that church, the church of Christ, you were going to hell. And I could not make him understand, say, listen, you know, I do belong to the church of Christ, the church. It doesn't have a name. It doesn't have a denomination. 
Brother Kyle, what, what, what are you saying here? We need to be very aware of false teachers because they're going to try and lure you. I can't tell you how many times. It, I mean, it, even in the past year, two times uh, Mormons had tried to talk to me. And this is, this is the new game because they can't go door to door like they used to. People are not accepting them door to door. Okay? Th this is what's happened to me twice and Amy once just in the last year. They, they join certain groups. In this particular case, it was the Georgetown Community Page. And we're part of the Georgetown Community Page because we like to hear people complain about the dogs running loose in Georgetown and, and the fireworks. Every time you hear a boom in Georgetown, people are saying, is that a gunshot or a firework? Or is that Fort Stewart? But, but this is what happened. They're a part of this Georgetown Community Page. Y'all with me? Now, I'm doing what Peter told us to do. Y'all need to be aware of false prophets. They join the page, and then they go to you and send you a private message. Two times to me, one time to Amy in the last year. And this is what they said. My name is so-and-so, and, and I'm reaching out to you, and I want to know if there's any yard work you need to do. We want to come and, and do free yard work for you if, if you need any, any, anything done. So I click on their information, and just about every single time, it has an identification with the Mormon church. Well, what, what's so bad about that, Brother Kyle? You think they really want to come up and rake your leaves? You really think they want to come cut your grass and fix your gutters? No. They want to come and talk to you about Joseph Smith and their false cult. That's what they want. That's what they want to do. So you need to be aware. I can't tell you how many times I've been approached by people trying to, to get me away or lure me away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to tell you what I told those guys, but the third thing that we see in this short book is Peter trying to help us to understand that we don't need to be frustrated. We can't get frustrated by the delay of Christ's return. Do y'all ever get, I mean, do y'all get frustrated? I do from time to time. I mean, it's not, it's not often. I, I love life. I love serving the Lord. I love the life that I have. I do. But there's sometimes I have a bad day. Something, my, my kids will do something just crazy. I have to deal with something that I don't want to deal with. And then I'll get in the car and say, Jesus, why don't you just come? Lord, Jesus, come. Why don't you just come and just, I mean, I don't watch the news anymore, but prior to you know, me stop watching the news, I'd watch the news sharing, and I'd say, God, why don't you just strike these people dead? Why, why don't you just come? We cannot be frustrated about the Lord's delay, because in all honesty, it's not delayed. It's an appointed time. And I listen, it's coming soon. Amen? It's coming soon. It is coming soon. The fourth is this. The fourth thing that we'll see in this, this book is this. There will always be false teachers, and you need to watch out for them. I, I hope, Sunday night crowd, I hope that you are mature enough in your faith. You are mature enough in your faith that you can spot, spot a, a, a false prophet. And I'll tell you, if you're close enough to Jesus, when you're around somebody who's spewing false prophecy, you'll be able to identify it. The Holy Spirit will say, don't listen to that junk. That's not in the Bible. Has that ever happened to y'all? I, I had a guy that I worked with at, at Charlotte Pipe and Foundry. Loved him to death. We got to talking about salvation one day during break. 
And he said, no, I'm not saved yet because I haven't started speaking in tongue. I said, Robert, where do you see that? He said, well, my, my, my church teaches us that we can't experience the trueness of salvation until after we start speaking in tongue. I said, Robert, there's nothing in the scripture that ever says that. Romans 10, 9 says, if you will confess with your mouth and if you, and I showed it to him. I said, don't you believe that? He said, well, I believe that, but my church don't believe that. And I was like, it's time to find another church, brother. <laughs> it really is. Because if, if the false doctrine is, is it the surface level right there? How much is down beneath? You, watch out. Peter says, watch out. We will then hear a bold Peter give us details as how to spot such false teachers. John Phillips says this. He says, Peter was devoted to the exposure of heresy, which was already making its inroads in the assemblies of, of God's people. Peter reminded his readers that heresies were not something new. They had characterized Old Testament era and had been duly punished by God. The errors against which Peter warned was accomplished Excuse me, the, the errors against which Peter warned were accompanied by immoral tendencies, pride, covetousness, and would certainly meet with the judgment of God. Church, tonight, I want you all to be excited. I, I do. I want you to be excited. I hope that you're so excited, so excited that you just have to go ahead and read to see what Peter is going to say to us. These are the last words of a man who was nothing more than a fisherman, who walked with Jesus for three years, who, who could be seen as one of the most cowardly apostles on the night our Lord was arrested. And he can also, we can also see Peter as one of the most bold preachers of the gospel after the day of Pentecost. Pentecost. His last words should excite us. They should inspire us and encourage us to keep up the fight that our Lord may be known to all of this world. I hope you're excited about it. Now, to understand, now you, you have your Bibles open to 2 Peter, right? I mean, it's right there. It's, it's right there. To understand the passion in Peter's last words, we must be able to identify with Peter. We've got to. To understand what Peter is about to say to us, we've got to be able to identify with Peter. We can look at the first two verses in this short letter and see if we can truly identify with Peter, its author. Let's look at verse 1 and 2. 2 Peter verse 1, Simon Peter, a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have, for those who have obtained faith of equal privilege with ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. We need to be able to identify with what we just read. If we don't, we're not going to be able to understand any of what he writes further on. We've got to be able to identify. Now, who and what I identify with and as? Let me tell you what I identify as, okay? What, what are we talking about here? We've got to be able to identify with Peter. This is who I identify with and as. 
We all have an identity with someone or, or something. This is my identity. My name is Anthony Kyle Waddell. Y'all knew my name was Anthony, right? Don't call me. Don't be walking out here calling me Pastor Tony, all right? But I identify as Anthony Kyle Waddell. And my name identifies me with my family name, which is Waddell. I am a Christian, which means that I am a child of the king, and Jesus is his name. Come on, y'all. I am happily married to my wife of almost 29 years, the first week of the first of August. I am the father of three children, one girl and two knothead boys. And I am the grandfather of two beautiful little girls and another one on the way. Y'all, they question me. Oh, it's going to be a boy this time. No, nah, it's going to be a girl. It's going, I, they, they don't listen, will they, honey? They won't. Daddy knows. There's a song. Isn't there a song about that? Daddy knows. Is that a song? It's not. There should be. Okay. <laughs> I am the pastor of Chevis Oaks Baptist Church. All of what I just, I've just spoken gives me my identity. I can be identified with all of the above as who I am. This is who I am. And so much more. So much more. You each have an identity, every one of you in this congregation. And we all share some traits in common. But what can we identify with Peter tonight? Do you share the same traits he speaks of tonight that will enable us to understand the passion behind his message in this epistle and allow you to find, to listen, to be excited about what he's saying? Because listen, these are his last words. We ought to be excited. We ought to be excited. Let's break down what Peter says in his open remarks to see if we can identify with him very quickly. Very first thing he says is this that he is a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Okay, we can, we can get our pens out and we can mark through the apostle. There, you're, you're not an apostle, okay? If you've got somebody, a friend, a neighbor, a relative, somebody you see out and about, and they tell you, my name is Apostle James Gregory, you, don't, you, you just smile and shake their hand and give them a little wink. There is no more apostles. Do you hear me? Jesus and God had a very specific reason for those apostles. And they accomplished that mission. The only, the requirements of an apostleship is you have seen the Lord Jesus Christ himself and Jesus, Jesus gave you marching orders. Well, Apostle John Greg, James Gregory down the road, that didn't happen. He, he went to www.apostleship.com com and paid a hundred dollars and now he's an apostle so we can scratch the apostle off but we can identify with a slave can we not peter says i am a slave of jesus christ what is a slave somebody who gives up all their rights and submits to the master Peter's not talking about a bad thing. He's not talking about, you know, coming to the south in the, in the 1700s and, and, and working the fields. He, he's not talking about that. He's talking about giving up his own life and submitting to the authority of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm a slave. Have we done that? 
Can, can we do that? Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We can become bond slaves. You know what the difference between a slave and a bond slave is? A slave just gives up their rights. A bond slave goes and submits to the master and says, listen, I don't ever want to leave you. I want you to put your mark on me. And they would take an awl, which looks like a nail set, and they would take the ear of the person who does this and put it up against the doorpost and drive a hole in his ear, and that person is tagged for the rest of his life as a bond servant. The second thing he says is this. See if we can identify. He says, to those who have, have obtained faith. Now, we all ought to be able to be able to do that. Have you obtained faith in Jesus Christ? Have you walked the road to Jesus? Have you accepted Jesus as your personal Savior? Is he Lord of your life? Is he leading your life? He says, to those who have obtained faith. But then he says this, to those who share equal privilege in Jesus Christ. What's he talking about there? To those who now share equal privilege. Well, in this day and time, there were two groups of people. There were many, you know, different nationalities, but there were only two groups of people from a spiritual perspective. You know what that was? Jew and Gentile. The Jews looked down their nose. Peter was a Jew among Jew. Y'all remember, Paul had to straighten him out. Paul had to pull Peter to the side and says, look, man, you need to quit, quit walk, you know, talking the talk and then turning around when certain people come into town and run your mouth the other way or don't, don't, don't associate with the Gentiles. It's all over now, Peter. Peter is the end of his life, and now he gets it. He says, we, we're, we've come together. Can, can you identify? Can you identify with this group? What that means is there's no hatred. Do you understand? I said this this morning. The Jews still practice their Jewish faith in the law. I still love them. I still love them. They're still God's chosen people. If something happened and, and the Middle East started to go up against uh, Israel and wanted to destroy Israel, listen, I'd, I'd try and pack my bags and go fight for Israel. Why? Because they're God's chosen people. Prophecy, God's not done with Israel. And if somebody is going to bring up arms and, and go fight Israel, Brother Frank, that means God's going to show up somehow, some way. And I want to see that, people. I want to see it. I want to be there. I want to identify with that. He says, to those who share equal privilege in Jesus Christ, the Jews and the Gentiles are, are separated no more. They're once together. He says this fourth, fourthly. Is there evidence, listen, is there evidence of the righteousness of Christ in your life? Is there evidence of righteousness of Christ in your life? What that means is if you were guilty of a crime, of murder, the police would have to present enough evidence to prove to the court that you committed that murder. What Peter is asking here, using legal terms, if people look at your life, is there enough evidence that they can see to support that you are a child of God? To convict you of being a Christian? Can they see it? Peter says there is evidence of righteousness of Christ in your life, and I hope there is. Church, if we can identify with who Peter says he is, then we can continue on in our reading and experience 
what is seen in verse 2. Look at verse 2. Verse 2 says this, May grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Do you know why people can't experience mercy or, or grace and peace in their life? They don't know Jesus. They don't know Jesus. If you're constantly in turmoil, if you can't not only see grace but give grace, you're, you're in turmoil. You, you don't know the same Jesus I do. Yeah, brother, brother Kyle, but you don't know what they did. You don't know what they're doing. They're, they're not living like Jesus. Well, listen, if you're living like Jesus, you can show them how to live like Jesus. Right? I can't fix people. God did not call me to fix people. God called me to lead them to Jesus because Jesus can fix them. Now, church, who do you identify as and with? Who do you identify as and with? Does the world see that you share the traits that Peter identified as having? Is Jesus the greatest part of your identity? Let's all stand. It's bowed and eyes closed. Father, we love you and we thank you for this night. We thank you that we are still allowed as a church family to corporately come together, to sing praises unto you, to worship to you, to, Lord, to do everything that we do in this building to glorify your name. Help us, Lord, right now to be inspired to walk through those doors and to tell others about you. We know the world is against us, but you're for us, God. Help us to understand that time is growing short. We're one day closer to your return. Help us, Lord, to be everything you called us to be. In Christ Jesus' name I do pray. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, do you need to come?